Hello, everyone. It is episode 65 with Morgan Gist McDonald. Welcome to the Know, Like, and Trust show with Brittany Gardner, the podcast where we explore the world of personal branding and how to build your know, like, and trust factor up for ultimate business success. And now here's your host, Brittany Gardner. Morgan is the founder and CEO of Paper Raven Books, an independent publishing company that helps people write, edit, and publish books that grow the author's platform and create massive impact in the world. We have a great time talking about a far-ranging amount of topics, from how she's had business transitions with each one of her children, all the way to how authors can game the disruption in the publication industry and use it for the benefit of their business. All right, everyone, we are here with Morgan Gist McDonald. Morgan, why don't you tell us a little about yourself before we get into the nitty gritty of personal branding? Awesome. Thanks, Brittany. Yeah, super excited to be here. And about me, I am a business owner, right? Like so many of us, I own a publishing company and I live in Colorado, Denver, Colorado with my husband and my four kiddos. And we like skiing and camping and hiking and biking. And I am um, obsessed with building businesses and brands. So glad to be here. You have four kids. I didn't realize you had so many kids. For the listeners, we were just talking before we hit record about family life and you're running a business and raising four children. How does that work for you? Sometimes it works better than others. <laughs> so yeah, you and I were just talking about, I was admitting that I do have two little ones at home with me. They're with a sitter, but occasionally there are like footsteps. So uh, we'll try to keep that to a minimum, but you know, hashtag life. It has been quite a journey and it wasn't something that I necessarily realized I was going to be doing. Like I knew that I wanted to explore business and work from home. And I knew that my husband and I knew we wanted kids. And it just sort of like everything's kind of happened at the same time. I started freelancing when I was in grad school, but quickly after I finished my master's, I had our first baby. And then like, I can sort of track the progress of my business with children. So like every child that we've had, there's been a you know, massive kind of change in how I'm running the business. Just because, as you know, you have to, right? The, the more times that you're going on maternity leave or you have more kids and schedules to juggle, our businesses have to flow and evolve with what we need <laughs> in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so funny that you say you track the business by which kid you were having at the time. I think, you know, obviously all children are different, but where you are in life is also different when you're dealing with those different personalities. And I think it's interesting that you said you had to change how you do business a few of those times. So I'd love to hear maybe an example of that. Yeah, absolutely. So I started out as a freelancer. My personal relationships were very important. It was all about referrals, reaching back out. Hey, do you know anyone who needs editing and writing coaching is what I was doing at the time. And it was all about me, right? Morgan, the editor. I got us someone I recommend. Her name is Morgan. Here she is. Let me direct to connect you. And then as I was having more and more children, I felt like the hours that were required by my clients and the hours that were required by my children were sort of in direct conflict. And so long as everyone wanted just me, <laughs> there was going to be a little bit of, of an issue. So I actually made this swing towards the business being not my name. So there was a moment where I really had to make this decision. It was actually after, so if I want to track by baby, baby number one was when I was starting as freelancing. Baby number two is when I got my first official website and blog and social media and all that. It was 2013. 
And then baby number three, I was hitting my stride and I had good referrals and good clients. So that was like, this is like probably like 2014, 2015. And I realized on a family vacation that we had set aside this whole week to be on vacation together as a family. And I brought work with me and I thought it was going to be just one project. And it turned out to be like 40 hours of work on a family vacation. Which was only a week to begin with. (laughs) Right? And I was like, I can't believe I did this, but I had promised to turn it around and this person was waiting on me and they only wanted me. They didn't want anyone else to edit it. That vacation was a disaster. (laughs) And I realized you just can't pay me enough money as a freelance editor to continue this way. And luckily my husband and I had a trip just the two of us planned afterward. Uh, So this is something we've just like personal hack. Vacationing with children's not a vacation. It's like a trip. So if you want to actually have downtime, you have to plan like just the two of you after a family vacation. (laughs) Okay. So mind blown there because that's not just a little aside of a life hack. That's like, we could stop right now and everyone would be good. You know what I mean? (laughs) Exactly. If you're right, vacationing with family is just a trip. It is just a trip. So we, we actually have one of two things that we do. Either we have a date day in the middle of the family trip where we have a babysitter come in, watch all the kids while my husband and I go off for the day and then come back in the evening. Or shortly after a family trip, we will plan just like a weekend getaway, the two of us, just to make sure that we've actually connected. So brilliant. So that's part of our rhythm. But anyway, so we had this, you know, weekend getaway. We went to Vegas because we didn't have kids and we're like, let's go to Vegas. (laughs) And we're walking through the casinos. And I remember my husband saying, okay, so that trip didn't work out as you had planned. (laughs) What do you want to do differently? He's kind of a great sounding board for me. And as we just like walked and talked, I was like, I think I want to bring other editors into the business with me. And I don't think I want the business name to be my name anymore. And that felt like a huge shift. And so that's when we became, at first we were Paper Raven Editing. Um, We then quickly became Paper Raven Books because we decided we wanted to just work on books for our editing and coaching. And I mean, I had been doing books all along. I just hadn't ever like put my stake in the ground that like, no, we we are books. So I put my stake in the ground, started bringing in other editors to work with me. And that was going great. Until I realized, oh, wait, I've become the project manager of a bunch of editors, and I'm the only one who can like hold this book project management thing together. And baby number four, this is the last big milestone. Baby number four is born in 2017, and I realized that we're publishing a book the same week that baby's being born. <laughs> Great timing. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think to just like push something like I can't push the baby any faster than I was, but I can push the the deadline back, you know, our launch date back. I don't know why I didn't do that. But anyway, so it worked out so that I was, I just brought new baby home sitting on my bed with brand new baby number four. And I am on the phone with Amazon because our author's new book is for some reason not available on amazon.com. It's available on amazon.it.eu.com you know, all the other dots, but it's not available on the US, amazon.com. And there was no one else in the business who could do that. So I was holding baby number four, like 24 hours old and on the phone with Amazon and realizing this is not what I meant to do. So we recreated the business again and brought in systems. And so, yeah, now kind of coming on the other side, the more babies I've had, the more that I've actually had to remove myself from the business And yet I still feel an urge to have a personal brand. So it's really interesting that we're having this conversation because now I'm actually two years later swinging back around and wondering like, hmm, what does my personal brand look like? (laughs) 
<laughs> so that's really interesting. For logistical purposes, you had to remove your name from the business so that people weren't always demanding Morgan, Morgan, Morgan. Makes perfect sense. And you went with a name that's fitting for your industry, also just cool in general, but you still felt an urge to have a personal brand. Is this something that you feel like you want a personal brand associated with the business or maybe a personal brand separate from the business? That is the question I'm currently considering. I do think part of the pull is that now that I'm not in the day-to-day operations, I'm spending more time writing and speaking and talking and doing interviews and realizing that holy smokes, like I have a message too. Yes, the business is tied to it. But when I get on a stage, for instance, like it's me that they're hiring. They're not hiring Paper Raven Books. They're hiring Morgan Guest McDonald. And so who is that person? I'm very much exploring that now. I know I have more books to write and I want to be on more stages and people do follow me on social media. Like as a person, they don't just follow my Paper Raven Books business page. They then friend me or they follow me on Instagram. And so it's interesting to see that people who want to interact with the brand also want to know who's the person running that brand. That's actually a great point because personally, when I follow people on Instagram, I'll find the original person because usually that profile is more robust. And then eventually they decided, oh, I need to have a, a brand Instagram profile as well. And they always link to it in their personal bio, but I don't always follow the business one. It's an interesting point because you've already noticed this. And like you said, you have more books to write and more stages to set fit on. Yeah. And so now I'm at that point of realizing that, yes, I'm growing the business, but also I need to be a lot more intentional about what I'm choosing to put out there to represent me just, you know, as, as a person. But, you know, it's interesting that the more I share my journey, the more people have a reaction. Like, I know we're not sharing the video, but you and I are on video. And like, you know, when I said, I, and I have four kids, you know, your face was like, oh, wow, that's something new I know about you now. Because we talked about kids, but I didn't ever say like the number. And people have a reaction to who you are as a person. And the more that I share that, the more that people are curious about me, my life, my business, and they just they feel like an emotional connection and we all want to do business with people, right? So when you're doing social media for the publishing company, are you including your personal life as part of it or are you keeping it strictly business? Like where is your personal line? I do have a personal line. I've never written it out like this is what's business and this is what's personal. I share personal reflections on the business, Facebook and Instagram, for instance. I will talk about my personal beliefs around book publishing, the new ways that we're doing book marketing, why someone should publish a book, what publishing book has been like for me, um, what it's been like to write a book with kids. So if it crosses over both writing books, publishing, and my personal life, I'm happy to share that. My personal brand, on the other hand, tends to be more about like what it's like to have kids and love to travel and run a business is kind of where I'm finding my sweet spot. And sometimes that's talking about a book that I'm writing. Sometimes that's, um, you know, pictures from a stage that I'm speaking on or something like that. Uh, But it tends to be a lot more about being an entrepreneur and being an author. Whereas the business side is I'm talking to you who's writing a book. You want my help. You're looking for guidance. This is how I've done it. Uh, Does that distinction kind of? Yeah. There a distinction there? Yeah. It makes perfect sense. The reason I asked is because I've personally been trying to figure out where my line on that personal versus business is as well. 
So last week, for example, was Halloween. I thought I was on my personal Instagram. I wasn't. (laughs) I was on the business one. So we went trick-or-treating. I have a 20-month-old. He was dressed up as an Ewok, so it was adorable. Oh my gosh. He he still does the toddler waddle. And then this Ewok costume was rather bulky, shall we say. (laughs) The waddle was um, amplified. And he had this little teeter-totter walk as he's like walking from one store to the next. And I posted a boomerang of him doing that. And it's the most views I've gotten on a story in like three months. And comments as well. I mean, people just loved it. And I was like, that has nothing to do with business. It's definitely increasing people's ability to know me as a person. But is this something that I want to do in the future? So I'm curious how other people manage that from a perspective of lines in business. That's a great question. I think it's one that we're going to just increasingly have to talk about and think about as we navigate. When it's for business, I will do things like my nine-year-old, she loves to write and things like that. So sometimes she'll be, you know, writing out a book and we'll kind of staple it. We'll do cover art and I'll do a little post about how, you know, she's writing a book. Or sometimes I have authors who send me their books or books that they've written and not even necessarily published through us, but like we do a lot of nonfiction, but some of our authors will then go do a children's book and they'll mail it to me. And so we'll be reading one of my author's children's books and we'll take a picture or do a short video and I'll tag that author. And so on the business side, it does still tend to relate to writing and books and book marketing and things like that. But I don't mind using myself and my kids in that. But I, I don't know. I do keep it on topic. <laughs> maybe I'm just a stickler. I was a teacher in a former life. I was a sociologist. And so I just, maybe I'm just a stickler for being on topic. I don't know. Well, let's shift gears a little bit because I'd really like to hear how you talk with authors about furthering their platform through books. Obviously, that's the entire basis of your business. And you could probably talk for hours on this, but... I'm hoping to get a roadmap, if you will, on how someone who's had success in their their business, they have a message they want to share. Most of the people that I've worked with really want to make some sort of impact personally or socially, any number of, of platforms that they are standing on. But when is the right time for somebody to say, okay, one-to-one and even one-to-small groups isn't enough anymore. It's time for me to reach a broader audience. That's a great question. And it really is going to depend on when you feel that calling, like this book needs to happen. Uh, Some people, they still have very small platforms. I will admit that when I wrote my first book, I had like less than a hundred people on an email list because they were all my clients. You know, basically my email list was my, my list of clients. When he did a new client, I would just email them and ask for their referral. Like that was it. That was the plan. (laughs) So I did publish my book with a very small platform and I used that to pivot. And my book was about how to write a book. And so I was sort of putting my stake in the ground of like, we do books now. But other people, you know, when they, they come to us and they already have a pretty robust platform, they already have several thousand followers on Facebook, Instagram, several thousand email subscribers. It makes the book launch itself easier. And I will say it probably makes the writing a little bit easier as well, because what we tend to talk about is for a great nonfiction book, we need both the author's journey. We need your story, the struggle that you've gone through, what you've learned, your, your wisdom. We need those emotional pieces from your story. And we need some sort of framework, right? We need some sort of guidance. We need some sort of, this is what I would recommend for other people doesn't have to be a step-by-step blueprint, but you should at least be able to say, here's some considerations for the journey, (laughs) you know, so that we can break those out kind of by topic. 
gosh, I'm working on a book now that's um, nutrition for people who have MS, uh, multiple sclerosis. So we have the author's journey of her figuring out as a nutritionist who, you know, who lives with MS, what's been her struggle. And there's no step-by-step for exactly what to eat when you are struggling with MS, but here are some considerations. Here are some things to think about. That way we can break them out by topic and they are useful to the reader. So we need both. We need the author's story and we need what's useful to the reader. I think sometimes, and the reason I'm kind of really trying to land this is because one of the big tendencies for us when we feel like we have a story to share is we want the book to just be our story. And we think that when someone reads our story, they're going to automatically get the inspiration, the lessons learned. If she can do it, I can do it too. But we don't really read books that way. We'd want to be kind of told, here's the inspiration. Here's the message I want you to take home. Here's how I hope this impacts your life. So we do need both. In fact, it's very rare that I recommend straight memoir. There've been a couple times that we've recommended straight memoir, uh, but often it is both. It is the author's story and what's in it for the reader. How is this going to impact the reader's life in a really direct kind of way? So if you feel like you've got both of those pieces, you've got your story and you've got some sort of framework or considerations, specific inspiration for the reader, and you've got both of those things, I mean, I say start talking about the book, start thinking about the book, start doing some writing. Awesome. That was fun to hear. You have so much passion about it and you just like dove in there. I love it. So moving on, someone's decided, okay, I want to do a book. I have a story. I have a message and a way to actually deploy it to other people. What is the process from there? Yeah. You know, this is going to differ depending on whether you are self-publishing or traditional publishing. So in the traditional world, as a nonfiction author, you would write a proposal and you would seek out an agent. And the reason that's the order of operations for traditional is because many of your traditional publishers will want to help you shape the book. So they don't want you to write 50,000 words and turn it into them because chances are they're going to come back and say, well, we want to change the audience. We want to change the angle. We want to change the scope of the book. And so rather than having you write the whole book and then they're like, well, let's change everything. What they prefer is a proposal so they can begin negotiating with you. Okay, well, who is the audience? What chapters are we going to cover in this book? All of that. So they want to be in on the content creation, basically. So that's why traditional proposal, agent, shop it to publishers until you get an agreement and then you write the book. Self-publishing, however, is a little bit more flexible. And this is where I live. I live in the self-publishing world. The way that we work with writers is we actually do the book first And this is a personal philosophy. I believe you transform, you change so much as a person as you write the book. We actually discover a lot about who you are as a person, how you want to work with people, what your core messages are. A lot of our authors come in thinking that these are my three core messages. And then as we write the book together, they're like, oh my gosh, I never realized this is so important. And then we start writing it into the book and it ends up changing the way they talk about their message on social media, the types of images they use, who they reach out to for podcast interviews and, and you know, what stages they end up on because as they write the book, they become this person. So I am of the philosophy, write the book first and then we'll figure out what to title it and who to market it to. (laughs) Which is awesome. So most of the people that I work with in the brand strategy side of my business go through a similar thing. You know, even if they've been working with clients for five, 10 years, they go through this deep branding work. And one of the things that we do is come up with those core messages from the work that they do. 
And it's very fun for me to see that look on someone's face when they realize that there's this message that they, they've been talking around for so long, and now finally they can talk about. I would imagine that's something similar to what you're talking about is that there's this thing that's been inside you and it's been there, but you haven't actually had the words to wrap around it and really push it out there until someone else points it out to you, right? That's exactly it. When I think about personal branding and I think about writing a book, the journeys are, I agree, very similar because there are not many situations in life where you have someone who's asking such deep questions of you. As you know, with the branding space, and it's the same with writing coaching, it's like when you have someone who's like, well, why is that important to you? Well, what happened in your life that caused that caused you to believe that? You know, you start probing these deeper questions and people are like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm in a therapy session. <laughs> Do you get that? Yes, yeah, so much. <laughs> yeah, I get therapy sessions for the branding work. And then when I'm doing brand photography, it's like, a Pilates session because I get them in these weird positions and they're like, there's a muscle I haven't touched in a while. But yeah, I get, I get both sides, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I just think it's one of those situations that you're in a space that's giving you the time and like the literal space to just sit and reflect on like, who am I? What do I really want to say? How do I want to say it? Who do I want to be? And that is the catalyst for becoming this new version of yourself. And, you know, it's like personal branding and writing book. Like maybe we should just offer joint services at this point. (laughs) Well, I mean, it it goes hand in hand. I mean, not everyone's ready for a book or or even has the desire for one, but I feel like everyone that I've worked with could do it if they had the desire. I think that's one of the beauties of of working in the, the fields that we work in both is that you see people and They have a desire to have this message in a greater and broader way. They don't quite have the know-how, but they have all the pieces there. They just need someone to sequence the pieces for them and then package it up. That's exactly what writing a book is. I mean, basically, it's like the author has all the pieces in their head. We're pulling it out word by word, paragraph by paragraph. We get it all on paper. We rearrange it, (laughs) and then we put it together in a book. So how many books have you written? I am in the process of my second book. I have, of course, had many ideas for books, but the question really becomes, well, which is the next right book for me to put my energy into? And I know if if you've ever thought of writing one book, you've thought of writing several books. I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. It's like idea generation. You know, I've thought about writing books on parenting, we took our three three kids to Europe for six months and people found that journey fascinating. They told me I should write a book. <laughs> and for a while, I really thought about it. I came home 20 weeks pregnant, so I was too tired to write a book at that point. <laughs> but there have been moments in my life where people have said, oh, you should write a book. And I always pause a bit on that. Just because someone else says you should write a book, they don't always mean exactly that you should write a book. What they mean is I'm really interested in that part of your life. <laughs> I would like to hear more about that. Um, It doesn't always become a book, right? And so for me, when I'm thinking about what's the next book I'm going to write, I'm thinking about what will this book make possible for the next three to five years? Is this a conversation that I want to continue to have for the next three to five years of my life? I think that's really important. I mean, as a personal brand, I don't know that it's worthwhile to put a ton of time, energy, and resources into something that is not the foundations of what you want to do next. So we could brand around anything. (laughs) We could write books around anything. uh, But I think it's most strategic to really think about what I want to do for the next three to five years and how would writing this book 
help that next three to five years to open up new doors, to explore, to have this conversation in more places, to attract more clients, to do more speaking around this topic. Like, let's stay on topic. (laughs) So ultimately you decided you didn't want to spend the next three to five years talking about spending that time in Europe when you could be spending that time more on the business, spending more time with your family, working on a different book, whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I could have come home from that six month trip. Everyone's saying, ah, write a book about it. And I could have spent six months writing the book and then six months getting it together for publishing and then 12 to 18 months marketing it. But then it's like, I'm pretty sure I would have moved on (laughs) with my life at that point. So yeah, I shelved that book idea. And so the next one that I'm actually working on is going to be around the publishing industry. I think there's a ton of huge changes happening in the publishing industry. I want to put myself as one of those people who's having the forefront conversations, who's talking about how it's changing, what's coming up next, sort of my predictions for how we're going to be doing book marketing in the future. That's a little scary because it's like future pacing. (laughs) It's like, well, what if I'm wrong? At some point I've just got to decide, you know, I'm just going to put it into words and it's a book and I can change my mind later and it'll be fine. (laughs) Well, the cool thing is even if you're wrong, no one's going to remember. Well, that's true. They'll just be like, well, I, I heard this from somebody else and this is what happened. So that's what I remember. So even if you are wrong, like you're still kind of winning because you put something out there and had a way to talk about it. That's a great point. And I love how you flipped that because I was coming at it from the writer's perspective of, oh my gosh, if I'm wrong, everyone's going to remember this forever. And you're like, from the reader's perspective, I read 30 books a year or 40 books a year. Like you're just one of several books I'm reading. (laughs) It's fine. Yeah. And you know, the ones I, I remember that really made an impact were ones that helped me transform in some way. Or ones that I refer back to constantly because it's more of a process type thing that I, I need the constant reference about. So yeah, if you put a book out there and I learned something from it, but the overall strategy isn't perfect, well, it helped me at the time. We're good, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It might change what you as the reader think is possible. And maybe that's enough. Well, and usually that's enough. I mean, most of the nonfiction books I read, I don't agree with them wholeheartedly, but I find those those pieces that I can glean. And hopefully it's more than than not, you know, but otherwise that's a not most productive use of time. But, you know, every book I've read, at least in the last year, I've been able to pull pieces out. I latch on to, and I'm a Kindle reader. So, you know, I highlight instead of pull out a Sharpie highlighter. But one of the benefits of that is being able to go back and just search your highlights for certain terms. And even if it's a book that I'm not pulling a ton from, it could be that one quote that makes the difference. So talking of future pacing, what is one thing you do see happening in the publishing industry in the next you know, year to two? What is something that you really see being a game changer for people in the smaller side of things? You know, People who don't have 50,000 people on their email list, people who have 3,000, people who have really great ideas, but haven't had reach yet. Honestly, I'm hugely optimistic about what's going to be possible for us as authors with smaller audiences, because what has been traditionally set up for how books get published and then distributed into bookstores and then into readers' hands is being disrupted at every level, right? So it used to be that you pitched your book to the publisher, the publisher would print 2,500 copies for a first print run of a first author. They would distribute those to Barnes & Noble. They would see if they sold. If they didn't sell, that's it. You're done. (laughs) Pretty much you're backlisted. Um, If they did sell, then they would do more print runs and distribute wider, um, more stores, bigger inventory, that sort of thing. 
so it was like, as the author, it's like, what control do I have over this process? This is like why I hope they sell at Barnes Noble. I guess I'll go out and do some signings and some PR and try to move books off the shelves, basically, was the author's job. Now, they might walk in just for fun. Like, oh, yeah, I've got some time. I'll get a coffee. I'll browse a little bit. Like, this is fun. But they're not really sort of like thinking, oh, I wonder... I want to go get that new Cal Newport book. I'm going to go find that, <laughs> you know, at Barnes and Noble. It's like, no, we would just hop on our phones and order on Amazon and it would be on the way. Yep. And, and like, you know, it'd be there tomorrow. <laughs> it's faster than when I could get to Barnes and Noble next. And so what we're seeing is direct to consumer is, is increasingly happening. We've seen this in all the other industries, right? So when we want to buy a new purse, we don't need to actually go to the mall because we just scroll on Instagram and all the, <laughs> all the purses are being offered to us or all the shoes or all the jackets or whatever. We're buying directly from vendor, from the maker, basically. Uh, we're buying directly from the store online. Same is going to happen for authors. So we're going to be able to put out ads or lead magnets or quizzes or something like that to find who our potential reader is, bring them into a conversation with us and sell our books directly to them. To do this well, to do this profitably, we don't need to sell tens of thousands of copies. You know, to make the New York Times bestseller list, it's estimated that you're going to need to sell 12,000 to 20,000 copies in a week. We do not need to do that. <laughs> there is, there's no reason for us to, to do that. And it, when we can sell a thousand copies of our book and maybe get 10 more high paying clients, like sweet, I just won the game <laughs> because I was able to sell my books directly to my reader, get their customer information, get their email, maybe get their mailing address. So I can send them a postcard, you know, and some portion of the new thousand readers that just bought my book might want to work with me or one of them might bring me onto one of their stages at their events. Or if I host a mastermind or a retreat, some portion of those people will want to join me. And so I don't need to sell 20,000 copies in one week. If I sell a thousand copies in the next few months, that is going to translate directly into business growth because now I have the direct relationship with my reader. That's awesome. Well, I think that is a great way to end this interview. You've given us so much value. So I want to thank you for that. I appreciate it. You're welcome. It's been fun. This is my favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> uh, is there anything else that you'd like to leave the listeners before we sign off here? The last thing I would love to sort of reconnect it with our topic here, I like to stay on topic, uh, is, is branding, right? So what does that mean for us as a personal brand? I think it means that it's even more important for us to show up as, as the person who wrote the book and the person who wants to continue to have this conversation with our readers. So if we are writing a book with our reader in mind, we are selling our book directly to our readers, we're inviting them into a conversation, like we've got to show up and be in real relationship with them. And I think that means that when we are posting on social media, when we're sending emails, when we're meeting people at live events, we are ourselves. And it's okay these days to drop a lot of the pretenses because the, the book is no longer this like big prestigious thing that, oh, I got to publish with, you know, Simon and Schuster or whatever. It's like, I wrote this book for you. I sold it directly to you. We are having email conversations now. Like this is just our relationship together. And when you follow me on social media, you get the real me. When you read my book, you get the real me. When you meet me at a live event, you get the real me. And I think that's just a really amazing place for us to be as authors. All right, Morgan, thank you so much for your information on how we as entrepreneurs can approach writing a book in a thoughtful way that aids our business and not just as an ego boosting mechanism to have our name put out there, right? 
I love what you said that when you think about personal branding and you think about writing a book, the journeys are very similar because there are not that many situations in life where you have someone asking such deep questions of you. I think that approach uniquely shapes both of our industries and how we work with clients. So it was really fun getting your take on that subject. If you are looking to find out more about me, you can find me on my website, brittanygardner.com. That's B-R-I-T-N-E-Y gardner.com or on Instagram at I am Brittany Gardner. That's all for now. Catch you next week.